0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Precision Unloaded Podcast. This is episode 41. Uh, you're once again joined by your hosts, Mark and Graham. Good evening, Mark.
1: Good evening. How you going?
0: I'm fantastic. Um, so this episode is... Uh, we're just really going to talk about the um, GPRE Desert Jewel. Uh, very, a lot of people want to know about the match. Um, uh, people have seen some of the footage online and some of the photos... It was quite an ex- what you call an extreme match. Probably the hardest match um, in New Zealand that I've definitely been to. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll go over that. <clears throat> uh, what we shot, who we shot with, how we shot. Um, um, yeah, so you might as well kick it off, Mark. Tell us about the Desert Jewel.
1: Uh, right, it's uh, held in the middle of the North Island, New Zealand, uh, on a very large station. Um, And it is very cold and very windy, and uh, two years in a row the weather has been rubbish. But that's what makes it interesting—you learn a lot.
0: So, in the lead up to this event, um, every round, you kind of have to go prepared for like um, torrential cold rain, cold wind, potentially snow, sleet, everything. Right? So you got to be ready for you don't want to lose your fingers or or, or whatever no
1: you've got to be prepared to be trapped there for weeks and eat people
0: yes Um, and some of you may hear funny noise in the background that's just torrential rain at mark's place because he lives in the boonies all right so that's that's what that is so yeah so it's um again this place is um in behind the uh, wairu army military training um area uh, whatever you want to call it so it's like a it's not a barren area, but it definitely hasn't got a lot of trees on it due to the amount of wind and... Um...
1: No. <laughs> so al- al- altitude 700 to 1,100 metres sort of thing across the property. Well, the, the part we we're on anyway. Yeah.
0: So. so we got pretty lucky in the... I think this. Some, on the Friday night we went for dinner in Wairu with a bunch of other people in. uh It started sleeting and, and it was snowing not far up the road on the desert road. I believe the desert road may have even been closed that night and there a few accidents as we drove home due to the shit weather Um, but uh, it was a bit better the next day and and I think the snow was about 100 metres above us or or something along those lines we could see it on the the um the hills behind us uh the mountains it's
1: behind. such a big factor that i get banned from sending weather updates to graham
0: oh was... man these everyone not just you everyone was like <laughs> every three minutes checking the weather and i please
1: I'm, cancel it oh no it's yeah,
0: on. And everyone kept, what, do you, what do you think and i'm like fuck to find a man let's just go and just like if we can see we're shooting targets like that's how it works right so but anyway we um wasn't it? so we stayed in tai happy rather than wairu um
1: and, Same distance to the place. So yeah, and
0: fine. I'm gonna say it, it was a lot better than Waikou. Yeah,
1: thinking? overall. Yeah, yep, yep, definitely. Combination was good. Yep, lovely combination. Um, Mark had my, a, my room was pretty good.
0: Mark had this giant room,
1: like you guys were in the barracks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he gets us a family suite because we had several <laughs> other people coming over, and well, I had a room with three single beds jammed in it, and then Mark had this massive, um, like romantic sort of suite. A big bed, plenty of room. Uh, it was it was pretty funny, but anyway, we had I need a good
1: space for my hookers and blow.
0: That's true. And Thai happy hookers are the best. So, um...
1: so they say.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh... <laughs> but I had a big communal area, um, like a lounge and a kitchen. It was it was a it was probably the best hotel we've had in all of our adventures. So things are on the up. If you listened to us for a long time, you would have heard some absolute trash hotels we've had. Um. Anyhow, yeah. so. So good we, value, though. Very uh, good value. Yep. It was
1: pretty affordable, too, wasn't it? 150 bucks, I think, for a yeah. standard room. So. That's pretty good. But
0: anyway, so we went over... Uh, oh, that's right, we can talk about McDonald's, mate. Uh, so we went over on the Thursday... Yeah, uh, hauling, that's a
1: good way to start the week. <laughs> hauling it hauling side so by side. I'll tell the story.
0: I, yeah. <laughs> okay. you, yep, All yours.
1: So... We you get to Whanganui, and obviously, due to COVID, uh, some McDonald's are running drive through only. And some McDonald's drive throughs, like uh, Otrahonga, for example, are like a chicane on top of a chicane with a narrow, you know, basically all the bollards are smashed up because people keep hitting them in any vehicle they go through. So I looked at the Whanganui through and thought, that doesn't look too bad. Shall I bother taking the trailer off? Nah. I had the side-by-side on my tandem trailer, so I had extra height as well, so I checked that, nah, I'll clear that, it's fine. <laughs> and then I got halfway around the corner, going around the building and the drive-through, and I was like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm screwed. I could see my inside wheel starting to ride up the kerb and into the bollard, so, and then I was jammed, so. Graham got out and we went and and got me to back up a bit, and then I was like, ah, oh, god, bugger this, so I just floored it and drove forward and pushed the bollard over
0: smashed smashed the bollard over
1: <laughs> and got to the drive-thru window and graham was standing at the drive-thru window and ordered them the what did the girl say
0: oh she she was laughing so i'm um, i thought we might get a bit of a telling off from the mcdonald's mm. stuff but it turns out when you pay your staff 15 cents of our minimum wage i know this because i checked they don't really give a fuck about much so mm. so they gave us our food said good job getting through the drive through of the trailer and off we went um yeah
1: well i wasn't wasn't keen on the prospect of being stuck in the drive through with about five cars behind us already so
0: so my plan was to really quickly if that didn't work i was gonna quickly unload the side-by-side into the drive through and then like use it to ram the trailer out <laughs> of <laughs>
1: there's nothing quickly about that
0: oh no it would have been 20 minutes like um anyway but so yeah we uh it,
1: My trailer's hit rocks and stuff, and it's survived. So it's it's. I knew it was robust enough to to nudge a bollard out of the way.
0: Yeah, I'm just lucky that wasn't um, cemented into solidly.
1: No, nah, well, I knew due to Wanganui engineering standards, it would have been just bolted to the dirt. Or That's true. You know.
0: Yeah, but anyway, so that that started off our adventure. Um, uh, yeah, and then we Set pretty the tone pretty pretty, pretty uneventful from there. We we went out to um, uh, Wairu... Uh, sorry, um. I guess you, whatever you call the area, it's Tai Happy ish, and um, Napier Napier taihape Happy Highway, and um, m- m- meet up with the GPRE crew, and we had a bunch of steel targets for them, and we which we um, were then directed around the property via radio. Uh, we were on sub side, side, and we were setting our targets. And
1: How'd that go, Graham?
0: Pretty good, wasn't it? Oh, the radio well, thing.
1: Apart from ra- you just ter- you turned it off immediately. Oh,
0: so oh, Mark's. <laughs> going, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Um, so. <laughs> Mark gives me the radio and he's got a, it's like a Garmin rhino. And, um, and I use radios. I used to use radios daily at work, but anyway, I just push the button on the side, which I think's the, um, the one to, um, turn the radio on and off the trigger. What are you going to call it? And, uh, no, it was a power button. I thought, oh, Simon must be busy. Busy. He's not answering me. So I just put it down, forget about it. And it turns out they're trying to get in contact with us for quite a while. And we are just going about our merry way with no radio on until I, um, I try and radio them, and Mark goes, "Is that even turned on?" And it turns out <laughs> i just turned off the radio, and that actually sent people over to come and talk to us. And it's not a not a quick trip. Uh, no, it's no. a it's a hell of a mission you got to drive. See, so we're about fifteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred meters from them, as the crow flies, but to get to us, it's uh, yeah,
1: they're not going to yell at They're not going to be able to yell at you. <laughs> no,
0: uh, but we got it back on. We got that sorted we've got most of the long targets out in sort of two or three hours yeah um so we used to it's in the last few years we've been setting out comps um you have like someone at the stages um, and they're essentially directing and then they can check visibility on targets because if you go out and set them and then you go all the way back to the shoot position which is a long way at this place and then you think oh shit i can't actually see that it's behind a bush or the um the topography doesn't work so with the radio it makes it Hell of a lot easier to um, to get that done. So uh, we got most of that done. And, and oh, by the way, it is incredibly windy when we were there too. I should have mentioned. Um, not as bad as the Saturday, but um, yeah, sort of 30, 35 mile an hour, thirty mile an hour winds, I guess. roughly.
1: No, no. People are talking about miles now. Was, I think I, even on the day I measured about if I calc- about forty-seven k's. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, the highest I Watch got was just under,
0: just under fifty um, miles a hour. Mile
1: Miles, yep. where the hell were you doing anyway,
0: anyway? No, it was 40-something. 40, 40 anyway, but yeah, it was a strong one. So we got all that set up the next day. Uh, we didn't have that much left to do. Um, some of the props blew away in the wind. there's was a bit of like a sort of thing that, that turned to shit. But um, yeah, we just finished off a few things. Um, Simon and that, they test shot a few stages, and they set out the blind targets. So there was one stage that was... Um, 100% blind, so we didn't have anything to do with setting that. I know people will say we did. Um, our scores would be higher if we knew where they were, obviously. Uh, so they set that stuff up, and then um, we went back into Thai Happy and met up with our teammates. So Mark and I were shooting tournament classes, so he was in the Boss Magnum, and I was in the Baby Magnum.
1: Intermediate.
0: Intermediate Magnum. Your high school Magnum, whatever you want to call it. So Mark was shooting a 3 3 Lapua and the Ruger Precision Rifle, and I was shooting the 6.5 PRC in the Ruger Precision Rifle. Um, yeah, so I our, was our shooting with Wes and you were shooting with Carl, so they met us back in Thai Happy and we sort of tried to make a few um, just go over final teamwork and, like, I, not Carl and Mark, but, like, Wes and I pulled our bags apart and um, took out shit we didn't need. There's no point carrying two of everything and, yeah. um, and stuff yeah, like that. Be- yeah. Lego sets. Took out the Lego, you know, took out the um, the gardening gear, all that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, and then we went... Um,
1: yeah, knife and knife and steel.
0: Yeah, did we go out for dinner or did we get dinner in? That I can't remember.
1: Uh, wasn't that when we met up at Wairui for dinner?
0: Oh, sorry, yeah, we went to Wairui for dinner with a bunch of people, which was good fun. And then, yeah, next day we woke up and it wasn't too windy and tight-happy, but once we climbed, well, it was about half an hour drive into the station yeah it was significantly colder at the wool shoot and then once you go to the back of the property where you get the those of you've seen the pictures it's some pretty big um big hills up there um it got significantly windier up the back of the property um twice as windy and so the format of the shoot like i said teams so you're pretty much three teams per squad so um six <clears throat> six shooters You drove to a sort of... um, You had to convoy into the property because it's it's quite large and you can't have just people willy-nilly driving about. We had to drive through a few paddocks with deer with one paddock at a thousand wiener deer or something. So we had to sort of pussyfoot our way through there and then head down the property. You park in a central location and then your stages are essentially all around you in a big... um, pretty much 360 degree arc you're firing in... um, Well, not quite. You don't fire the one road you come in, but anyhow, um, a, a big arc of fire, um, and so you're dealing with the wind on all sorts of directions, and <sighs> yeah, um, so yeah,
1: it was basically five stages with with the wind in one direction, and then three the other three are three ones basically shooting out to the so if the five were looking east, say or whatever, then you had one. Firing west, one, oh sorry, one, yeah, to the north, and then to the south, and then the um, east as well. So you sort of had three stages that had different directions to the the other main five. So you had the wind rotating on you. So you had to suddenly it caught people out if you're prone to making mistakes dialing wind. So yes, um, it did catch me out. So a <laughs> person who remain nameless, I think we started on the first stage of the five all in one direction with the wind, so the wind coming from our right to left. And he doesn't dial wind normally. On the last stage we did uh, was a linear mean, limits rack, and he actually dialed wind for the first time, like three and a half mils. <clears throat> and uh, and then he forgot completely about it <laughs> and got to the eighth stage. At the end of the eighth stage, he goes, man, I know I can't see anywhere I'm going, because I've had three and a half mils of wind dialed on and the wind's coming from the direction so it's pushing it even further so he may have been getting pushed six mils, five mils out Jeez. to the right. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's why I always try and run myself every single stage when I finish, dial back, dial back don't leave anything on. Yeah. There's something I need to Yeah. Oh, It's just, yeah, it's like load your mags, dial back, load your mags, dial back, just... Because otherwise, you pick up a mag with two rounds in it that you forgot, or you know, type of thing, yeah, no, no, you're right. Start, start blazing away. I am. I'm not. But we won't it, say if, who.
0: If, we won't say who it was, but he wears bright yellow pants to a rainy event, <laughs> and he's got the best haircut in the whole anyway, precision shooting so
1: game. I think he'll be. He'll be staying, holding over when after that painful experience. Uh, so, so Carl and myself. Um, Reason Because he has a 3.38 Lapua Magnum and Ruger Precision Rifle, the current generation one, Uh, same as me. So we had the same rifles, so that's why I sort of made a choice to to split up. Uh, And we then, Carl has a load using um, Lapua brass and 285 grain ELDM projectiles. Uh, So basically Graham got my brass and basically did a matching load. And then we tested them. And in our you know brief test, they were basically one feet per second difference in speed, so out of both rivals so we were we were basically shooting identical and we didn't score overly high in the day I mean you know we went, <clears throat> I think we we're fifth in our Magnum class or whatever mid table um but the the fact we had identical guns running the same data was was awesome it helped a lot and if I guess if someone's new to Most of our shoots are individual shoots, right? So you're basically, you know, you're on yourself. You get a bit of help with spotting and that from someone in the squad. But with a team's match, then you're forced to make choices around who's shooting uh, these targets or even the rules. It can be you have to shoot four rounds, the other person has to shoot six or whatever it was. Or, and some, technically, one person could shoot the whole lot. So, for example, we came to our last stage, which was the blind stage, and in the end, Carl found all the targets real quick and uh so I, I couldn't even tell where he was looking on two of them or one of them so i said just you shoot it i could see one i said i'll shoot at that and um so i just kept fitting in the data and dope for the for each set of targets because you can only fire three rounds at each target on that stage so you couldn't just keep blazing away so now he, he did awesome on that and he nailed the far target, which was at 1260 metres um, twice. So first round, saw where it went. Next two rounds hit it, so it was a really good way to finish the day. Um, but it showed the advantage of having identical data, because I just basically did the ranging and data for our guns all day. So, But that being said, we I made some, a silly mistake or two and gave them the wrong direction for wind on one stage and stuffed up. So what it meant was as a team we we never really had a stage where we both shot well sort of thing which would have been you know handy to get us up score wise we all we each seemed to to duff out my um tripod shooting was shite which i just saw an mdt thing on facebook and it was like what's the three key things when you're shooting off tripods And i was thinking um don't do it because <laughs> I think I set up my tripod at standing height and with the wind, it just buffets it. So I was like shooting at a target and just timing the movement of the gust of wind. So when I pulled the trigger, I was hopefully going to get, you know, somewhere near it. It was that bad. What stage were you shooting the tripod off? Uh, the one with the, that had a, th- a thicket of trees that got blown away the night before.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I went, we went to like a sitting, a low sitting on that.
1: Yeah, I should have done that. Yeah. And then the other one with the tripod, I had a, a shocker there as well because I set the spotter off the tripod and then when I put the rifle on it it wasn't properly going through the hole because he had to basically set up the tripod low to point through a hole to shoot a target up on the hill so about 900 and something metres away and I once I got the gun on it it was too heavy to then alter it easily and you know the carbon fibre legs and just yeah not enough practice pissing around with the tripod so yep yep that's uh, that made me but, I mean, yeah, we could have, both guns have got ARCA rails and, and lock onto the top. But, for example, Carl really hasn't shot off a tripod with his gun, so I was just going to, I did that. But, anyway, that, that's two, that's a couple of examples. So, yeah, so we were super happy with um, the, our data itself on the day. Like, we had no issues with where it was going at any range, to a degree. So, you know, I mean, the previous year there, I think I was, but I don't know, half to 0.8 mils out at longer range so I just had to compensate for it all day but this year the way those uh, shot when I loaded the data it was, you know, the height was bang on pretty much all day, it's just the wind that we had to try and work our way through so so but, really happy with that it worked well and um, we obviously seen other people do it at different shoots where they've matched the guns so they'd be, sorry
0: were you so running the? Normally, you run the uh, Lapua match, which is a 300 CNR, or the, uh, the this um, Sako TMK, which is a 300 grain. T R G yeah. Sorry, T R G, 300 grain um, SMK, yeah. or the Norma match, which is 250 grain. Uh, I'm not sure on the projectile, but yeah. those all being open tip match bullets. Now, the ELDM 285. Do you prefer Obviously, you work quite well for you, but do you prefer that having, having used that now a bit over the other ones?
1: Massively, yeah, yeah. Because I um, shot or well, I, I, the data I've got, whether whatever you know, I've done a lot of mucking around, um, particularly with the, to say the two fifty grain, the, uh, normal match, and I can if I fix it at say six hundred meters, I yeah, no matter what I do it. I can either have it shooting well at long range or short range or mid range, and it won't shoot properly at the other range. And I've changed lots of stuff to try and get it to do it. Um, but whereas with the LDMs, and the way we sit, you know, there's just I don't know, maybe there's better data in behind it. Don't know. But anyway, it just worked, and and the app was giving us the right info. Um, the big thing was splash, and in our squad we had. Uh, I think maybe two medium, I you know two intermediate magnums and a couple of preschool non magnums. Um, and they just didn't see didn't see splash all day. So, at all, really. And we we would have seen eighty five percent of ours. Um, during the day, like you know, easily. So. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll touch on myself a bit more once you're finished, but I probably, we were shooting the 6 five yeah, so PRCs.
1: The cru- crucial, crucial thing is. Yeah.
0: And we've seen probably. we yeah, was it? We, we, oh, we were shooting the 147s and the 6 Pcs PRCs, the LDMs. We didn't see yeah. everything, especially not past a K with the conditions, but um, we would have seen. Oh, yeah, probably 60% of ours. So, yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry, I just wanted to say
1: that before you moved on. So given the conditions on the day and things and uh the fact that some people probably went through that day with only maybe one hit the entire day um one bit of feedback i thought was probably worth thinking about was making sure that if if there are people spotting that they can do cool i know it's a teams match and you spot for each other but given the adverse conditions or whatever um it, to make it more um yeah, useful. Whether you have someone properly spotting, and then being able to give them some call after a certain amount of time or whatever, like we do with the long range measures. Yeah, I think a long long range shootouts. And I know every whenever I say something uh, as an idea, it gets shot down. So yeah, well,
0: they're usually fine. they're usually terrible ideas, much No, no, you, you make a good point because a lot of people come out of it disheartened. Yeah. Um, but like, albeit it is explained before they enter like this is an advanced match like you will have a shit day if you don't have your, your stuff squared away uh, or if you and and even it, it was mentioned if you enter with a like a standard 6-5 more, like you're gonna struggle um I, I guess if the weather had have been like what we had this Saturday just gone at another match which is for another another podcast um so how did you and Carl go overall for the day you work well as a team no
1: major issues Uh, you'd have to ask Carl no I I think we communicated well Um, had no issues no arguments Um, probably yeah just probably being throwing up some more ideas on stage approach would help I think we could have done some stages different ways and uh, helped ourselves out not a lot of change, just, um, yeah, some decisions in hindsight were wrong on my part, for example. So, um, But no, we were good on the calls and everything, so I, apart from when I stuffed it up once with calling the wrong way, and Cal believed me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hold left. He's like, what? Yeah, it's one and a half left, because I think I'd doled on two and a half and had to hold left to... To hit on this whatever target it was so i just got confused in my head and went left said no it's left no no but i mean all morning we've been shooting to the right side so to hit it so yeah don't believe everything uh what you know um i think we got gear sorted out i mean last year was uh the conditions were worse and um i wasn't probably Dressed so this year, I made sure I had right layers. Good gloves, excellent gloves, they were basically like a seal skin, not an actual seal, but the brand. Um, and these, are, I think, were Dex Shell gloves, which are basically got a me- plastic membrane, so they're waterproof but thin enough. And they have patches on the fingers which lay you to operate a phone, so I just could use my phone all day without taking my gloves off, and it worked real well. Like. Sensitive enough to wasn't, didn't feel any worse than using a normal finger. So, I mean, that's one example. So, and then um, just the right jacket and leggings and stuff. So, I never felt cold all day really. So, which is key because you're standing around a lot in um, the wind, which is you know brings the chill factor down. So, no, I think gear wise was good. Um, just you know, adapted to using the spot of sitting down all day, which is good. Because uh, of standing up, it would have blown over and broken it for the fifteenth time. So, um, yeah. So running the rangefinder went really well, which was a Sig Five K um, that I borrowed, uh, Kilo Five K. So the new ones, so it's got a lot faster, I guess, engine in it in terms of processing. And so it was ranging easily out to 80, 900 meters on the day before, and then. In bad weather it was getting out to 1500 no problem which is the range we needed to get to so uh the only thing was it, it gives you can load the data in the app for the for the ammunition and the rifle and it'll give you solutions with wind and elevation and that um out to but it it, it stops at about 800 meters because of the way they've done it because it's sort of designed to pair with the bdx scopes, which basically can't display any dots further than that range because of the way you know you basically got a certain amount of mills or MOA in this in the scope digital reticle um, I know I'm boring you to death now but uh, yeah, right. so yeah so for a lot of there was probably mm, I don't know, a third of the stages had targets short enough that we could use the range finder straight away and so you could just basically throw the range finder to whoever was doing those short targets and they could use that to get their data so and it was angle compensated in that so that that was good it'd be a great one so you get a, one that can do it all the way which is coming um, so it'll give you solutions out to you know whatever distance you're doing without having to load it into the phone
0: maybe we can do a podcast in like two months on all our crazy electronic shit we're getting because <laughs> we're trying to make it practical shit. When I talk
1: about electronic shit, you go, I'm going to ban it. I'm just going to write it out of the rules.
0: Fuck. <laughs> okay, do, do, okay. while well, we talk about rangefinders, yeah. uh, so I'm not just repeating your story for mine. No. I got uh, my hands on a pair of, um, borrowed a pair of the Vortex Fury um, rangefinder binoculars. Now, they're not the oh, latest. A- older B- ones, eh? Older yeah, the, ones. The, the, yeah, the gen back. Man, yeah. they sucked. Oh, um, they sort of performed okay here in a bit of fog, and they're ranging out to about a mile. It's like, this will work. And then on that yeah. day, even in, like, just... Not even that you know, fog, like, they'd struggle up to a K. So do you know what I ended up using?
1: But we've quickly gone... That's the thing, though. We've quickly gone with rangefinders, thinking they're amazing getting a range... This is a few years yeah. back. You know, 800 metres, wow, well, that's pretty awesome, or a K on a good day, or a K, you know, to now... I want it to operate in shit weather, and it need, and you know technically those things should, if it's a three thousand or something yards, like that. Most of those things are a yardage figure. Yeah. The the name of the, but that's on a reflective target say, and then when you read the fine print, and it's like, you might be lucky to get fourteen hundred or thirteen hundred or something if it's good.
0: Yeah, you're yeah. not wrong. So I am um, I, my um some of the other team members um i was with they had the um the leica vectors which are quite a uh, not many people would be too familiar with them but google them they're a big um, heavy duty sort of range finding binos those things work great they're um super fast super clear glass um are not are they the size
1: of a home cinema projector
0: nearly nearly okay. i don't actually know if they're available for civilians to be completely honest i'd say not yes <laughs> anyhow um they were cool and uh, luckily enough they were nice enough to let us use the gear um but yeah so the, the the vortexes turned to shit real quick so yeah we were using the vectors um again like most of this shit now you just point it and push a button and it gives you the information you need
1: so what were you getting range on oh yeah uh, the vectors yeah no no The. Um, oh sorry the, so so we were the vortex ones <clears throat> where were they kicking out
0: 800 meters 900 meters, yeah. but I
1: know, like the, the New ones ones are a lot better. They? They yes,
0: albeit are. the when we shot Desert Jewel Trial Match, a pair uh, of the new the newest version with the AB, yeah, yeah. Uh, our friends had those, uh, and they worked good. But as soon as the rain came, they were shit ass. Um, yeah. But again, um, maybe the next ones will be awesome. But anyway, these vectors work well in the rain. Um, pretty cool. I'd never actually even seen them before. In fact, I just had to Google. What they were to talk about them because I knew no their little. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the interesting bit of kit we got to play with. Um...
1: No, it's a salient, but, but see, last year we said, "Oh God, we'll never have to range in that sort of weather ever again." Odds on, and next year it happened again. So yeah, I
0: wouldn't say it was as bad, but it was definitely similar. No, no, it's definitely. what I
1: mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The previous year, it got visibility got not impossible to see the targets even. Yeah. yeah. Like I couldn't. But only once on that day this year. I could see the target but no splash because of the when, splashy rain
0: when i shot the blind stage the the far target when you see cull him back twice just yeah. under 1300 meters what it was yeah yeah i when we shot that we could make out the target in the rain that was it like yeah we, that's what i mean yeah that's yeah. what we
1: were we were on a i think we we're on a similar 1200 or 1150 meter target and that sort of might have been the same time i'd say and same thing. You could make out the target shape. And it had a flasher, so you thought, well if I had it, I had it, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but um
0: so yeah, anyway, I might as well if you've done talking about your day, I might as well talk about my day.
1: Uh am I done? You can Anything always else?
0: peek back in as you remember things.
1: So the other side of the things is we both I grabbed uh AccuTec H D fifty bipod uh for Cal to use because he normally has um, <clears throat> a tiny little Atlas bipod or something underneath. His a, ha- a, Harris. T- a Harris. Harris uh, under his three three eight, which looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex arms <laughs> 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 in terms of...
0: And it's about it's as like, good, it's about as useful as Tyrannosaurus yeah, Rex arms.
1: Uh, in terms of proportion to the gun. So, um, you know, both the Acutex were, were awesome and, and he, yeah, he just found it a lot, shitload more stable and... Um, you know, just in terms of made a yeah a big difference out without through the day, especially in the conditions and that. Just having that, that's by far the well of what I've used. They're just rock solid as a as a base. I mean, they're not light or anything, but they're certainly you know they don't wiggle around at all. So that was pretty good. The Acutec, I had the lighter set, but the sort of wide wide set sort of um version of the Acutex, So. That was good. Happy with that.
0: I think Cal's uh, going as far as he's, he's buying one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He said I'm going to save up my moolah and definitely get one. So. Yeah, he's,
0: he's oh he's actually um he got an Arcarel on the weekend just
1: for his RPR. Uh, he already he has one.
0: No, no, no. For his <laughs> one. <laughs> ah. But because it's it's a Gen One. That's how long ago he bought it. Uh, so it's, it's um it's, oh, key, it's key mod It's key mod, so, Sweet. so oh, Jeff so our um it'll be back
1: in fashion soon Darryl.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> <clears throat> we might as well use this to plug our sponsor, the Gunrack, rack uh, the sponsor of the precision mm, Unloaded mm, Podcast, mm, um mm. Boyd's M D T um Howard, whatever you need, the, they'll they'll sort you yeah. out. Funnily enough, we actually shoot for team um Gunrack now. But anyhow, he got in contact with you but... and he doesn't know, he, he doesn't want us to. Um, he said, "If I had won the twenty-two match, we would have got the contract, but that didn't happen." But anyway, <laughs> later on, we'll talk about that. No, but so Jeff sorted them out. He actually had some key mod, the, the fixtures, the screws oh. from back in the AR fifteen days, right? So um, him they managed to to swap out the the, the fixtures, and um, I believe it's all go. So he's a
1: key mod uh, air connector. Oh, well, cool. so it's
0: just the key mod screws. Screws, yeah. So you just need the, the base, Sorry. yeah. So now yeah, he's yeah. When, anyway. So that's pretty cool. Um, so anyway. Uh, my day so wes and i we were shooting again rprs sorry i was shooting an rpr he's shooting a sour field shoot both the 65 prc exact same ammo we had a small variance in um speed and a small variance in um uh results downrange but nothing major so essentially the same data i think that we just had a small like um add point two past the k or some some shit Wes was doing all our data, so that, that was easy. <clears throat> so we'd run my data through, and then he'd just do a very small adjustment to his. Oh, because he had the shorter barrel, yeah. Slightly shorter. I think it was... it was Obviously, each barrel is going to produce a different BC to a projectile, right? It's deforming in a different way, so I think his was just um, not performing quite as well as the RPR. and the uh, yeah, he had, to, he had to dole a couple more clicks. Anyhow, um, yeah, so very similar setups, both sky skypods, arc it up. Um, both running mill scopes, you know, standard shit we've talked about. Um, yeah. Not going to lie, Wes outshot me. He was the sort of, um, the more productive team member on the day, for sure. His wind calls were fucking awesome, man. Like, excluding like that big long range stage, uh, sorry, the blind stage with the long target where we had a bit of um, rain where we couldn't see very well. Yeah. Every wind call he gave was landing me just off the side of the target. All day. Hmm. The issue being... We would make a correction, and because the wind wasn't constant, we'd, we we seemed to like um, go left and right. And we might l- l- luck a hit in the middle, and uh, we struggled to keep the bullets on plate <laughs> with those little. With those, <laughs> yeah,
1: his wind was awesome, but we just didn't quite hit anything. Like no, that. no, no, no. What,
0: what I'm saying is like if you you make because you, you're like pulling it out your ass, right? You can read what you're getting there, but those big gullies and all sorts weird shit. You're yeah. shooting. You're like, oh, I'm four mil left. or I'm two mil left. His were like um half a mil or, you know what i mean it was just easy to to, to locate and you know, when the ground allowed for good splashing so it was good and he he, he probably averaged maybe 10 percent more hits than me i, I had a guess um oh yeah
1: so 15
0: yep so 20 25 <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it was excellent um the data was working well um as you said with yours things would what you wanted it to dial it was dialing and it wasn't um yeah. Uh, different from the results we got back in uh, your place or uh, the Pew Pew range and stuff. So, um, yeah, we I think we worked well as a team. No arguments, no fucking... Which sounds funny, but people wind up bickering at each other, they get fucked off and they blame each other for shit. None of that. Um, a few mistakes on my end. Um, I did a similar thing on the wind to you. Yeah. Going the wrong way. Although, our final stage of the day, and we we're quite lucky, the wind had sort of died off to like, like 15 mile an hour or something, it was pretty consistent. And it was the, the, the KYL rack at like I think it was 600 meters and 1000 meters or something. So,
1: yeah, roughly. Yeah.
0: So, all right, get set up, boom, okay, we're both on it. Yep, so I'm um, shooting first, boom, impact center plate at 600 meters per shot, perfect, you know. All right, West, you're up, and he's like, Yep, boom, he shoots the same plate as me on the KYL rack. He's meant to have shot the next smallest one. And I was like, Wes, <laughs> what are you fucking doing? He's like, What do you mean? I was like, Next plate, and he's like, Oh, fuck. So, he was waiting. He was essentially waiting for me to miss, so he was dead ready to follow up my shot with an impact after he got a wind call, and well, I that's, hit it. And that's,
1: that's confidence. I you know. know it, I know. See, I mean, he's trying to be makes.
0: nice. He's trying to be nice about it, but I'm pretty sure he's just like, I got to, I got to shoot and get some points with this. You just kind of missing. <laughs> know anyway, so he repeats it and bang. Oh, okay, shit You anyway, know, so right, shoot again. So he shoots. That's the next one, and then the next one's fine. But that was the only mistake on his part all day and then the rest he shot really well Um, the 6.5 PRCs went pretty good Um, like I said that wind um, like it's a a heavier 6.5 bullet but in that wind it's still a lightweight bullet Um, yeah I thought 6.5 PRC was going to be like this sort of silver bullet here but I just think
1: we had a major discussion about this earlier podcast around finding a sweet spot and we felt that it'd have manageable recoil but more energy you know just the whole to try and find a a middle ground um but it didn't quite work out that way well they
0: still shot good like no no yeah yeah, everyone shot shit but like what apart from a couple times but it's i think the can that that's very extreme conditions right like they'll fucking you wouldn't shoot in this normally you wouldn't leave your house normally right in these conditions so and I'm wondering if that, like a thirty caliber, and like a two hundred grain to two hundred twenty five, would be a little bit better. I don't know. I'm making excuses, within enough targets really, was as what it boils down to. Was there a
1: three hundred PRC or two shooting?
0: Yeah, there's several. Yeah. Yeah. And wind mags.
1: Um, because um, I think who got second and Mag that, that was the three hundred, wasn't it? That they ended up having to shoot all day, Hamish.
0: Yeah, they were 338 and a, a three hundred wind Mag and halfway well, through the day, the, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, three sorry, three hundred PRC and three hundred lap. Yeah, yeah. Effectively yeah. the same fucking thing for all intents and purposes when it comes to this, but um, yeah, I think so. It's um, I oh, know I I I, I, was, I was thinking about it. Like, actually, we should get a three hundred PRC, and I was like, wait a minute, I've got to. Throne when Mag wished it shooting a similar bullet in my cabinet so I'll, I'll bring that out from retirement and um, I might do a little bit of testing and just test some theories but, but yeah, regardless so we went through the day again the, the the vortexes failed pretty much straight away yeah so we ran the um, the of Vectors they were very cool um, uh, data management was good except for one stage <laughs> Uh, we we got one a bit of prep time and our, we didn't take all our gear to the stage and like the pencil fucking the the lead snapped on the pencil and we couldn't write anything down and we never spare pen and it just went downhill quick after that man and that should to be fair it was our second last stage the wind had dropped off to about half there's a bunch of targets not that long a range like we could have like got some good solid points in there man and and then where I set up because you're shooting on sort of two angles. I was, I was, was copping, so Wes on the, on the 6.5 PSC Sauer, he's got a Terminator muzzle brake, and those things are stupidly good muzzle brakes, man, I'm convinced they're the best I've ever used, but they direct some hectic side blasts, worse than most, probably why they work so well, but I was, I was copping his muzzle blast, and I just couldn't concentrate on shooting, I was, I was sort of trying to squirm out the way, and it was making me flinch, and and it just no, turned... I
1: definitely think I came out of that with hearing damage. So, um, yeah. shooting a team's match with the two brake three, three eights beside each other, and often you one of you, one of you is offset slightly. So, I, I was, and I had um, a woolly hat on with my earmuffs over top. So, guess how well that worked.
0: True. Uh, I actually speaking to, so talking to. Um... I should have had earplugs in as well. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a fair point. Talking to. Um double bag it Uh, Collie they they were who who won obviously Collie um, from Team Hardy they were running just big giant suppressors that's what he's saying he's saying team shooting man fucking quiet the things down makes sense and and you you look back and you think actually that's a fucking not a stupid idea Um, damn it I've done it again I run the on the sow where we were running a DPT suppressor but to be fair it didn't do a good job compared to the muzzle brake
1: so at the end of that they ended up on uh well done to them uh, again uh, Ian and Anthony on about 60 odd percent 62 percent or something was not it mm-hmm. yep. Um so have you heard anything from them about I mean pff, well, I mean that's pretty awesome result I mean in it those conditions shit yes identical data and stuff and all that sort of carry right. on and I believe data.
0: they're running identical data um, same thing I imagine I imagine all the range so Collie's running a Terrapin so it would have been yeah. straight through the Terrapin to the Kestrel yeah. Data would have been... He would have, I imagine, had his um, Kestrel HUD on the side and it would have just been poking his data up. So the data management would have been super, super smooth. Yeah. Uh, the Terrapin would have not even been challenged in those conditions. Um, people have heard us preach about them before, but those things are flipping yeah. awesome. They are high performance. There's a reason um, uh, they're used all over the world for, um,
1: you know... Uh, to be fair, the format and the targets didn't require a massive amount of data management. So... I didn't feel I was doing a lot of, you know, multiple data entry stuff on each stage, just the way it it panned out. I felt, at the end of the day, I hadn't actually written on my hand or anything, anything, so that shows that I really only had to produce data for me or Carl or maybe him for a couple more, so I was just doing it on the fly, which you're doing, you know, because you haven't got, you're not looking at prior to the stage, you're doing it in this stage anyway, so... It just means you're yelling out the information as you go, so it's 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 not so hard when you got say I don't know like eight targets and you're feeding all the information through and everything, and you have to you know write it all down. So one one it, thing, it,
0: it, one thing so I noticed, we ended up doing so again. Wes was doing the large majority of the data. Yeah, we ended up instead of going five point six, we just ended up saying like five because it's so fucking loud, you got to shout. So obviously it's not going to be 56 mils, right? So it's just 5.6, meaning 5.6 milliradian, And then essentially after, and then it got to the point where the wind was that strong, all of our wind corrections were in full mils rather than, you know, like if we're not shooting a normal match, it might be like, right, right, Mark, you know, come over 0.3 left, and you'd adjust 0.3 left. This was like, it was either a 1 mil or a 2 mil or a 3 mil correction. It was never we' were working in solid mills rather than <laughs> breaking them down into to, to, to decimal points just because the wind was that strong so that was something I haven't really done before and I'm not and i'm again not really we haven't shot a lot of teams events at all so relying on someone else for data but i th- I thought we went pretty good with that um' I didn't yeah think it was too, and like you said that we i think the most targets in one stage was like five so um not the end of the world. We did one stage where Wes did all the shooting. Um, it was big and small. And he was like... <laughs> the rain was driving in. And it was actually it was a little bit bad. But it was He was getting a little bit of water in his chamber. And it was becoming a little bit stiff to open. Oh yeah. And the Ruger seemed to handle that a lot better. But he was on. He was solid position. And even with the slight pressure he was still drilling the target. So I was just trying to sh- like shelter him yeah. from the rain while I spotted and he was just drilling this target again and again and again and then the small ones. And um,
1: I guess what also helped data management was often we didn't get to the far target <clears throat> so you didn't have to bother doing the data for it.
0: That's very true. Like we didn't engage much past decay. No. Outside. I think
1: I had a couple of shots at the 1.4, I think. Yeah. But they, they were, that was a miracle by then. I needed really three to have a serious crack at it so, oh, you know so, so I don't think I I, don't, I think I saw my last shot and that was it so yeah. I did not really do much then
0: I think like one thing is like these conditions like they suck like I said uh, if I was at work we would not work in these conditions uh, if, if you're at home you wouldn't leave the house right you just like fuck it let's light the fire you know chase the wife around sort of thing you're not going to go and um, be like let's go practice but um, no Right, you're out there. You've spent all this money, all this time, and so part of the challenge is the conditions. It's not just engaging the targets. It's how can you engage these targets in these shit house conditions? Like, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't actually mention it. We were with some military guys, and one of the one of them asked me, "He's like, do you guys pay to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, man, it costs us a lot of money. We do this for fun." And he looked at me like I had brain damage, but um. (laughs) because yeah, <laughs> obviously true. he's getting paid but um, but like that was that's the that's part of the, the shooting challenges the shit house conditions are you keeping yourself warm enough are you drinking enough water in these shit conditions because it's hard to it's kind of hard to eat and drink water in this because you got to, it's just another thing you have to think about are you keeping your hands warm uh, and, and stuff like that so I think that was f- I, I see there's a few people who sort of not didn't break down but they let it get them stressed out they were struggling with hits and then you get in a bit of a fucking slump, and then you're you get worse through the day because um you're not helping yourself out right. But we we managed to keep a really good attitude and have fun. And then also the other um our other squad mates, the other the other two teams we were with. They were obviously they were used to the weather. I don't know, but same thing. Young guys, keen, f- having fun, having a laugh, still regardless of the shitty conditions. Um, yeah, I don't,
1: I don't think I eat, ate or drank all. Or- yeah, ate or drank anything all day.
0: I thought you might have had like a, a bag with some McMuffins in it or something
1: stashed away. No, no. I don't know, I think I might be partly Aboriginal. I can wander around for a few days without food or water.
0: I'm not, I was going to say something that I won't. Anyway, um... That's right. <laughs> we'll get cancelled. Yeah, no, because um, we do have like 15 Australian listeners for each episode. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so but yeah, um, that's a hard thing in those like, when it's summer, right, because you're like after every stage, you need like a quarter bottle of water because your body's like screaming out for water. But in a winter match, you sort of you don't, but you will suffer over the day. So you have got to keep that water intake up. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not so, I'm not going to drink nearly as much as January or February. But
1: yeah. so why did we end up flipping the tables on the Bows Valley, which was a match we had over here, which was across a big valley in similar ranges, um, where the, the small the non-magnums dominated. The magnums, and we were like, nah, "Let's I'm, ruin that
0: idea." I think it's it's there's not enough like data here from like us match directors, but I think there's two things. Um, Round count, yes, I think. Seb, yes, the ma- yes, the the non magnums did have like a, an extra shot on those stages at Bowers Valley mm-hmm. or two. I think the there was more qual. What's the word? Some of the better shooters were shooting non magnum. Yeah. So there was more less experienced cool. shooters shooting magnums, well, which is quality. not always a good thing. Quality. <laughs> um, All the
1: shit was shooting magnums to say, Graham.
0: And now the and the wind at Bowers was Peasants. the wind at bows was tricky, but it was still not even like a sixteenth of the wind issues no. at at, O'Hinney, at at Desert Jewel. So I think um, we were missing a lot of the good magnum shooters from. Um, bowers, not to take anything away from the ones who placed. And then when it came to the um, conditions, they were well within the realms of shooting a six millimeter or a six five out fourteen hundred metres. Um yeah, I'd so I'd, I'd say it was condition based. So obviously like your three three LaPua, two eight five, I don't know what the BC is in that it's probably like fucking G one's probably in the eights or something could I guess I don't it's know. Amazing going like pretty fast. Or a 6mm Creedmoor shooting a 105 grand bullet. You know, it's, um, so, so there's that. And then even if you happen to get your wind call good with the 6mm, are you going to see it? Because there's still a lot of guys who are running like, um, oh fuck, I harp on about it, but like Sierra Match Kings or Lapua Senars and these things. And their splash is not good compared to a, um, a ballistic tip bullet. So, um. Yeah, I think it was a combination of two things. I'd like to see I think at the next bows.
1: Yeah, I, someone did re- directly comment on that after the match. I think it was Greg said he rattled off three people that were using open tip match bullets and couldn't see crap. And some of them were quite big bullets too, you know. Yeah. And to be f- tw- tw- twenty eight nozzles and stuff. So
0: Yeah, um yeah, and so I think it's I think that's got s- something to, if you if everything was on like a like bows we were quite lucky it was pretty dry still. For that yeah. um, ish, and um, we there were some targets where we could have done a better, better job clearing around them, we we know that. But with O'haney, it was pretty wet, um, not, not a lot of grass, but um. some areas just ate up bullets. And if you were shooting a like you see, a 140 grain Sierra or whatever, and the bullet doesn't explode, it's just going to go into the bank. So, I, I think it's several things I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Bowers run again with some um, with some more um, uh, top tier Magnum shooters, and I'd like to see O'Henny run with like calm conditions and maybe only like you know fifteen mile an hour winds, and that are consistent. <clears throat> yeah, good match. Um, really, really fun. Not as the weather wasn't quite as bad last year, which is a good thing. We definitely didn't end up nearly as wet after the full day shooting, um, which is a good thing. I I had wet weather, I sort of wore like 80% weatherproof stuff and then I had more layers needed in the bag if if, if I needed to to use them, which I didn't because they only sort of had a few showers. Um, they were just rather cold and windy. Um, yeah, overall a good day. So what did your team end up finishing, Mark, in the Boss Magnum class? I
1: was in fifth, about 56 points.
0: It's pretty good going. Eh? Like, like I said, this match the average score was pretty low across the board, um, apart from um, Team Hardy, pretty much. So, yeah, another good event. So we ended up second yeah. in the Baby Magnum class.
1: If, if we were, we would have been third. If we were been, th- I think we would have been third if we were in the sixties. So that's how. Yeah. And then the next group was in the nineties, and there was, so there's was, there's was clear between second and first were way out and Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and down—we're all pretty close together, and around that twenty-five percent hit range, sort of thing. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I—I I think to be fair, it's that time of year. It's just, it just—it just makes it such a mentally hard match, and it's just—we even said it for Bowers if like if you, this should not be your first match, you know what I mean? It's—it's no. it, it's just hard. And, and if you don't have like a validated data past a thousand metres um, you're going to have an even harder day
1: yeah, this, yeah this. but a number of people said that it was great to have a dedicated match that's suited to magnums so there's a demand for it I think so oh
0: yeah well I mean people a lot of people I know a lot of people who've built these rifles or got three or whatever and then they have them for six months and then sell them they're like well I've never, never used it they don't have no. a situation to use it, you know, because like most of the matches, you, we don't allow three through in it. We we did once upon a time, but we used to have record the target stands and and to be fair, when when in those matches, we never actually got a lot of interest in having magnums um, in it, um, because it was still only a thousand meters, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. Anything else you want to touch on on the uh, desert jewel?
1: No, no. Uh, it's well run, uh, excellent design and everything. So thanks to Simon and his team and the volunteers. They do a lot of work to get it done. It's a lot more work than other shoots, probably, in terms of the travel and getting everything over there and getting it done. So um, they certainly put on a good event, and the feed afterwards was outstanding. So,
0: I, I, I unfortunately missed out on the nice chicken soup. I was, uh, I was quite looking forward to that, but no. Uh
1: What else? No, I just think, um, once again, there's things to learn from it and take on probably to the next, if we have another Bower's Valley Brawl.
0: What would you do differently? As in you shooting?
1: For the one that we just had? Yeah.
0: Or, or Magnum
1: stuff, yeah. Uh, um, probably rethink a few stages, planning-wise.
0: I I had a similar thought as, I think, a few too many of them we just sort of had a brief conversation on what we'd do. Exactly. Rather than, like, um, actually talking it through properly and step by step. Um, Because a lot of time, if the other team was competing, there was enough time because they were sort of longer stages, you could actually hash it out and and screw everything away properly. Um, Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I
1: I often reiterate to people, don't fucking listen to me. Give me your ideas, because... I may have a beard, but it doesn't make me some, you know, whatever. Doesn't make you I'm trying to say, need, yeah, it's, uh, we needed to have a good debate about some of the stages and throw things around a bit to get a better solution rather than going, oh, yeah, that sounds right, Getting and going, fuck, I fucked it up, in terms of deciding to go standing or whatever it would be. You know, or, you know, <clears throat> just um, costing yourself and maybe just... Yeah, analysing the stage rules a bit and working out if there's another way of doing it. Maybe if someone's shooting better at long range, for example, Carl does seem to have a, a, a thing in his head that he, he's better at long range than medium type of thing, So, or seems to have better luck at it. Which is, I mean, if that's psychologically where you're at, it probably helps, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, so... But I think we had identi- having identical guns means you don't really have to decide... If you got different guns, which was what we had last year, then you sort of did have it was a bit of a preference for who was going to shoot long and who was going to shoot short. But this time it didn't matter. But but maybe you do potentially stick to that more as a team. So Roddo, maybe you do stick to the shorts all day, and that provides some efficiency. And you go to the longs, and just makes a bit of delineation that may help. You know. Yeah, you're
0: sitting out roles, eh? That's. Look, I yeah, think yeah, one of the exactly. things you said last year, yeah, you were taking longer shots. Obviously, shooting Lapua versus 300 and but your gun also wasn't falling apart, um, like mine, which made, made a huge
1: difference. That's a learning from last year, Graham. So, oh fuck, that's, well, what, that's why I supplied you a gun.
0: Fuck was it ever cheese and rice? That was um, like it was funny. We mentioned that I don't know the other podcast. So Wes messaged me. And he's like, he's like, no, nope, we're going over everything, and he put like witness lines, you know, the white pen on his screws and everything, because I'd put the gun together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I think it put him in a bit of panic. But um, no, again, good, good shoot. Yeah, good, it was good fun shooting with Wes, and he looks like you had a great time with Carl. Um, I mean, they're good guys. It's not as if we haven't shot with them before. Um, and, yeah, again, G Harry did another stellar job in what was uh, admittedly one of, if not the hardest event around uh, in our part of the world. Um, I can't speak for down south, but up here, that's for sure. Um, yeah, awesome. Any last thoughts from you, Matt?
1: No, it'd be good. I think it will be another teams match next year. Um the Torada one similar to we if we can get the two day thing sorted again so yep. that'll come back in it'll be a medium you know up to 700 meters one so uh, I'd say that'll be the 338 banished for that one um, are we doing a Bows Valley probably
0: I've got it in the calendar I've, I've, oh, we've just got to work in our 22 final so we're just going to make everything work mm is the trouble but yes it's um,
1: it's focus on what's just in front of us
0: which is which is yeah which is winter blast which is um, the end of
1: June yeah, four it's four weeks
0: away it is four weeks well under uh, planning for it um, yeah uh, but again um, thank you for listening to episode 41 of the Precision Unload Podcast that puts us just over an hour uh, we will do another one very soon because we have another match we've shot uh, which is yes. the uh
1: back to the tiny 22s the
0: teeny weeny 22s so the first round of the spark 22 series the and this was the uh, the p10 practical um hosted by our friend Wes. funnily enough um a very 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 cool match and um don't give it away a few a few. no doubt a few odd things happened to myself and mark which we'll (laughs) we'll cover um yes in the the next episode all right thanks for listening everyone and we'll, we'll talk to you all again soon